0: Mad Max, what's going on, my G?
1: What's going on, Headcrack? I want to welcome you to the show. We have one of the best personalities in this game. He's also a very talented MC. He comes from New York originally, from the Bronx. He went all the way to Atlanta. Made himself known, (laughs) and we got the one. No doubt, man. I'm
0: out here, man. Yo, man. Appreciate you having me on, brother. That's
1: right. I want to welcome you to the show, Head Crack. Welcome to Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. How's it going, man?
0: Everything is good, man. Just grinding, working hard, man. Getting ready for like something in the sporting arena that I got coming up later on down the line. So, uh, you know, everything is full speed ahead right now.
1: For sure. You got a lot on the way. And, you know, I want to start from your early beginnings because we got the three main talking points that your management sent me that we're going to cover in the show. But growing up in the Bronx, how was that experience for you?
0: I mean, like, you never really think about it as an experience in real time. It's just the life, you know, right? Like, I mean, like living in the city, especially when you think about the eighties and the nineties and what that looked like, right? Crazy times, you know, looking at what the, the crack epidemic was doing to the city, but also how hip hop was emerging during that time. Like, and especially like as a fan to watch some of the biggest names in the game compete at that level and then mirror it to what's going on. Like, you know, you think about the eighties, you got like rock him competing at a high level, Karis one, LL cool J. Then you forward to the nineties with the Jay Z's, the biggies, the Nas's, And even when you fast forward it, now you listen to like people like J Cole, Kendrick Lamar, the JIDs of the world. Davies Griselda. Just, yeah, so listen, the Griselda wave is so strong right now, and they was just talking about how Benny the Butcher just had the highest debut of any Griselda release, and they've all done you know, respectively, well. But just to see that thing continue to grow, it's you know, it's like watching the Renaissance era happen all over again. It's kind of dope.
1: It's beautiful to see that competition is back in hip hop, and they were predicting Little Dirk's album was the yeah. one who released. They were predicting his to go first,
0: but you look at the charts, Benny took over with Tana Talk Four. Yeah, and the crazy thing is like, you know, it's not like people are just playing Betty the Butcher on the radio like that. It's like organic fanaticism and people who are that emotionally invested into the music tapping in and, and supporting something they truly believe in, which I think is great. And, and not to say that Dirk's fans are going to show up for him as well because his fan base is rabid as well. But to see something like, you know, be a phantom menace within the machine and still work out, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's good to see.
1: It's beautiful to see that rap is at a competitive level again, because coming from New York, I know from what I heard in, in your hip hop music and your catalog, you're, you're an MC and we love the MCs out here because that's what New York hip hop is. And you come, you're cut from that cloth. You come from that generation.
0: You know, I was fortunate enough to have some of the best examples of what you want it to look and sound like, and what you want it to feel like? And in addition to that, I got a chance to see a lot of people in their prime or like, even if they weren't in their like, you know, popularity prime to where the point where their show is so polished, to where like, okay, cool. Not only do I know what I want my form of hip-hop to sound like, but I also know how I want it to execute on stage. You know what I mean? Like, So I always tell people all the time, if you have the opportunity to see the OGs rock, even if you're not even fully aware of their music, just to see what a polished hip-hop show should look like. Or even when you talk about, you know, some of the guys who are like on the mainstream right now. Like, I mean, have you been to a Kanye show before? No, I haven't. I actually have. Mad Max, like from his very first show where he had whatever the budget was to like even his more recent events. To see somebody like put together a show at such a, a Broadway and Vegas level it it does nothing but elevate the game of hip hop, man. So like, I like to try to watch a little bit of everybody do their thing. And not even just limited it to hip hop too. Like some of, even the bigger rock acts that still go out there. and so like a Foo Fighters, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like there's so much showmanship that we can borrow from each other within the artistry and apply our science to it. And just, it just gives people a reason to shell out money to come see you because you're trying to raise the bar. Not only sonically, but also visually.
1: And it's always great to see the early interviews that you did. I remember when you did an interview with Drake, and this was right before Take Care came out. I remember and you guys were going at each other because he, he's, he was thinking that the Heat were going to win with LeBron, and you were in mm. Dallas at the time and going for the Mavericks.
0: Yeah, and the crazy thing is, like, I wasn't even a fan of the Mavericks like that. I just happened to be living there. Because, like, I'm a Knicks fan, and you know i am a Knicks it, fan. Too. A Knicks fans, like, it's like being a sadomasochist because you kind of know what the results are going to be, but you still be like, yeah, we got it, you know, you know, you know. But, uh, but yeah, but like, I don't know, like it's so dope because I, I, that was the first and last time I ever interviewed Drake because Drake don't really have to do interviews anymore. So sometimes it's a gift or a blessing rather to be in the right place at the right time, catch the right person. Cause that wasn't even scheduled to happen. We just happened to be in the same place. And he was like, yo, my man come through. And then, you know, we chopped it up.
1: Just an amazing classic throwback But Christ the King That's where you went to school It was a private school that you went to And they made you cut your hair But the the main thing that you were looking forward to During your time And going to the school Was the talent show Because you wanted to showcase your rapping ability
0: Absolutely man, And it was weird Because that was my first year going to private school And it was just a different world right? So I made a a bet With the principal uh, uh, Principal Funicello I think his name was And the thing was It's like yo listen If I can get us to the Bronx finals in the Spelling Bee, you'll let me grow my hair out. He's like, all right, because they had a dress code. And he's like, he didn't think I was going to pull it off. So not only did I win the school Spelling Bee, I made it to the Bronx finals. So I got to like grow my hot top fade back out. And then, uh, yo, competed in a talent show and got busy. And that was really where it came alive for me. Where I realized, okay, you know what? I can do this rap thing. I can move the crowd. I got something to say. I could put words together. Let's see how far we could take this.
1: Greg Pimento was someone that was, that you were kind of going to be going up against here. And there was rumors out there with, with third base writing his rhymes and that didn't pan out.
0: Well, here's the thing. Like, you never know what to believe because we were kids. Like, I'm in the seventh grade. I believe Greg was in the eighth at the time. And, like, the rumor was, like, he was tight with the third base guys. And, like, you're talking 89, right? And around this time, like, Third base is on fire. The cactus and and the gas face. Hell yeah. So you're like, oh, word, like, he's well, he's down with these guys. Whether he truly was, I have no idea to this day. And when I think about it, how crazy would it be for an eighth grader to be rolling with the guys from third base? Maybe it was all a lie, right? So he said he was going to enter the town show too. And I was like, oh, hell nah, there's no way. There's no way. So every night I was going back to my crib in Concord's Village at my grandmother's house, just trying to write like the best, you know, page of rhymes that i could write to present to the talent show not only did i get into the talent show actually won the talent show and yo the bug was it was the the wick was lit from that point on Mm -hmm.
1: that's how that's how it all started you begin with the talent show you were beatboxing in school as well and you really were pursuing a hip-hop career and you were calling up the radio stations and the radio stations eventually invited you to come in and just hang out with them and then you, when you, as soon as you got invited to the stations, that's when you started to get to know how radio works, and you love just chopping up with people, and that the lifestyle of radio. This is what you wanted to do, and eventually you submitted your tape to. I think it was in the Beat in Dallas, and you had the night show.
0: Well, it was it was ninety seven nine to Beat, and ninety seven so the Beat. Okay, yeah, there was there was a, there were so many close brushes with being on the air. Right, it almost seemed like, you know, what I'm saying like would there be signs all around you that a certain thing is supposed to happen? Because even when I was getting out of high school there was a station there called 100.3 Jams, the same station that I would call and like win the contest on, they were like, hey, listen, do you want to come and work up here for the summer? And I'm like, hell yes. Like I'm just out of high school. This is like a high school kid's dream to be on the radio and be able to floss around, be able to get to all the parties for free. But a few weeks into the summer, they changed formats and fired everybody that was on the hip hop side. So that dream went right out the window and it was like, all right, well, back to the drawing board, back to the clubs, back to the streets, back to like just entering MC battles and just traveling and doing what I can. But fast forward a few years, the opportunity came where a new station came to town. Me and my buddies made a tape. We turned the tape in like we had a show. This is what the show sounded like. And they put us on at the nighttime. And, you know, we got the six to 10 slot and the rest was history from there. Go from there to the morning show, morning show to Dish Nation, syndication, my own show, it it has been a real like, you know, picture perfect scenario, you know what I'm saying? But a lot of hard work and sleepless nights came with it.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and the main thing is that you've always reinvented yourself. How did, what was your approach in reinventing yourself in this industry throughout the years you've been involved in it?
0: I mean, I think the key is, is not even a hundred percent about reinvention, but just figuring out what instrument you need to play in the band that you're in, right? So when I'm doing the night show, my role and approach was different than being on the Ricky Smiley morning show. And then my role on dish nation was different than being on the Ricky Smiley morning show. And now that I have my own show, you know, I'm like the captain Phillips of the ship and I have to like balance my energy and my worldview a little bit differently with, you know, with the cast that I'm dealing with there. So you just got to figure out what parts you got to play to make the car go. Like, One day, maybe you're the engine. Next day, you're the wheels. Next day, you're the stick shift. Next day, you're the windshield wipers because it's wet outside, you know? So to never be stuck in one particular position and be able to play all positions to make sure that the end goal is the team wins, that's really the true nature of the way I like to try to invent myself because like my worldview has never really changed. I maybe have more experiences the longer I live, but I've never, I've, my friends will tell you I've never truly lost who I am. Like I am the same kid who is fanatic about transformers and, you know, and hip hop and like, you know what I'm saying? Like Mike Tyson and all the stuff that I was when I was like in the fourth grade, but you know, I've gotten older. <laughs>
1: and, and just thinking about it, just all your interests, when you all all these things that something that you like to do for fun is going to the movies.
0: Hell yeah. No, that's, I mean, like when you go to the movies, that's one of the few times where like, your phone is off. No one can really bother you. It's a true unplug from the world. You know? You go watch a movie at the crib, but maybe you might get distracted. Maybe you might run to the kitchen and get something. But there's something about going to the movie theaters and making that appointment. Getting in the car, driving, posting up, smuggling food in, if that's what you do, because it's what I like to do. Um, There's it, just something that's so, I don't know, lethargic and freeing for me in that component. So... It's something that I, I missed a lot during the pandemic when theaters wasn't really open like that. And the second that like 20% less people were getting sick from COVID, I was back in the theaters. <laughs> it was like me and two other people, but I was back in the theaters. And people are back, full force. It's crazy. What was the first movie that you saw
1: back from COVID?
0: Wow. Uh, back, I feel like it was a horror movie. Um, I, I want to say...
1: Halloween Kills?
0: Nah, even before that, like I was back in the theater early, bro, like first shot, like after the first vaccine shot, like the second that people were sniffling less, I was back in. So, I man, it was like it was a private screening that they had me put together where I got to invite some people. It might have been Don't Breathe 2.
1: That was a movie that came out and A Quiet Place 2, I think, came out.
0: Definitely was in the theaters to see A Quiet Place 2. Um. Yeah, man, like, yo, like, back, since being back outside, like, the second, the second being back outside meant you can go to the movie theaters, I was back outside, you know, like, because that, that was my, that was the club to me, I have, I have three clubs I go to, the gym, the movies, and Costco, <laughs> those are my three clubs, <laughs> and, yeah, like, the, the pandemic, I was, I was definitely up in all of them, because, like, in the beginning, the movie theaters just weren't open, mm-hmm. at all, like, no,
1: i thought it was gonna kill the movie theaters at one point me too
0: me too like what part of are you in new york right now
1: i'm actually from connecticut but i went to school st john's so i'm local in the tri-state
0: no doubt so like what was the vibe like you know in the city where everything's like it it was dead right It,
1: it was dead and the first movie that i saw as soon as covid you know as soon as it calmed down some was halloween kills but when i went there was no one in the theater and i said man, no one just goes to the movies anymore because of social media and then the streaming services. No one even feels like going out of the house. So I didn't know if that was a combination between COVID and social media, just the, the effect that it's had on people and our generation. I don't know, but I, I, I went to the Scream, the new one, and the theaters were filled, and I was surprised.
0: Yeah, now nah, like, in Atlanta, things started filling up quick. And the, the first time where I saw it, it was like maximum, maximum effort, right? It was either Shang-Chi, or the Eternals. Like, I, if if Shang Chi was like medium crowd, the Eternals was like, like there was people sitting next to me on the left and the right, and they weren't the people I bought with me. You know what I mean? And that's just where we back at it. We back at it full speed. Now I went to go see the stream, uh, the, the the premiere of X last night. Uh, this new horror movie with Kid Cudi in it, and it was another wall to wall situation. You know, the second they said the mask could come off, like, yo man, like. it was. In Atlanta, the masks were half on anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But yeah, we they, we back, baby. We back.
1: Yeah. I was bothered when I went to the screen because I wasn't used to the filled theater and I went and everyone around me wasn't wearing a mask. So I literally just had to lift the mask up the entire time, eat popcorn, sip this, just put it back on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it's tough because, you know, everybody's comfortability level is different. Mm-hmm. And the second everybody gets lax, that's when we'll be back to where we were square one. So, I'm, I'm a little, I don't want to say scared, but I'm really anxious to see what these new lack of mandates is going to have us in position wise. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, cause just a a few weeks ago, my dad was fighting for his life because of COVID. Right. Mm. And then is he okay now? He's okay now. He's still going to be having to rock some oxygen for like the next few months. But you know, I'm down to one parent. So, like, I'm, you know, I have a very close eye on that situation. And, you know, you got to bubble wrap your loved ones because there's a lot of people that we lost during these last two and a half years just due to just comfortability or people just not believing that, you know, certain practices are effective or, you know, or other people not necessarily being cautious to what other people are dealing with. Cause I know there are some people who are sick right now who are knowingly going out and knowingly going in public places and spaces, not caring about anybody else out there. So even if to protect yourself and the people, you know, don't care about nobody else. You got to kind of keep your guard up to some degree.
1: I agree. And I'm sorry to hear about your father and I I hope he recovers soon from being on oxygen. And I know you had a close relationship with your mother. Rest in peace to your mom.
0: Thank you, brother. Yeah. And the, the scary thing about, with my you know, with my mom passed, my mom passed from pneumonia, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who pass from COVID die of upper respiratory pneumonia-related issues. So when my dad was saying the exact same things my mother was saying, like, hey, don't worry about it. I'll be all right. I was like, Ah, hell nah. I seen this movie, I know how it ends. Shout out to my little sisters, uh, you know, Nico, Nas, Jocelyn, and Naja, who took took matters into their own hands and called the ambulance and made them physically go remove my pops and put him in a hospital. Cause that legitimately saved his life because he was on a, he was on the same road. My mother was on where like, she thought she could just thug it out. And there's just some things that you just can't thug out anymore. So, you know, shout out to them, man. Like shout out to women in general, you know, for keeping us alive at all points. <laughs>
1: 100%. But getting into your career, before even radio, I think the second thing that you were really interested in being, too, was an AR and r and signing artists to your own label. And once you saw the label movement around that 98, 97 time was when you said that these labels are going to change, and then you you shifted right into the radio industry.
0: Yeah, like, you know, it. it sucks when you look forward to something your whole life. Like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And then when you finally get into the landscape, you see weird shifts and i'm one of them people where like you know if there's a like a human version of the spidey sense i feel like i have it when it comes to certain things and i just noticed that the industry was changing because i so once the radio station thing didn't work out when i graduated from high school i went to college um during one of my semesters i took a uh a, a internship at a record at a record distribution company called polygram which once was the home of Def Jam and all these other labels before they got absorbed by Universal. And just hearing the whisperings while I was working there about, hey, this company's gonna probably buy this company. That company's gonna buy that company. And then you're also thinking about, this is like 98, 99, and the the music piracy situation was out of control. Like they didn't have spotify back then there wasn't apple music people was like hard body with the LimeWire, the kazaa audio galaxy you know if you know you know and um so these labels weren't making the type of money that they were making years before and it just doesn't it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out like hey somebody go get fired or some jobs are going to change or this these five jobs will now be done by one person And I started seeing that happening within the infrastructures I was working for, because I went from Polygram to working for another independent company called Platinum Distribution, which was more like a boutique mom and pop company. (laughs) And then they started to consolidate. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get out of here, too. And then I just started running a street team, which allowed me to work for everybody or work with everybody and get multiple checks and hire people. And then I had my first baby. So I'm like, all right, cool. I need something with some dental, some medical, and all this other stuff. So then I took a job at EMI Distribution. But even while I was at EMI, there was like whisperings, like, yo, this label is about to probably buy this company. And, the, and I was like, you know what? All right, I got to figure out an extra strategy soon. And then 97.9 B came along. And I'm like, all right, here go my three-point shot from half court. Let's do it. Me and my homie, Super K keynote, we turned in the tape. Boom, we got in. And the rest is history.
1: Early on, when you were trying to find a hip-hop deal as an artist, you wanted to sign the Def Jam, and you actually landed, not with Def Jam, but you landed your own 12-inch deal.
0: Yeah, so Def Jam, for the longest time, was the equivalent of being on the Bulls in the 90s. Like, they just had such a strong roster. Everybody that I personally listened to, like, if Def Jam put it out nine times out of ten, if you liked a certain pocket of hip-hop, you knew you was going to be into it. Talking like, you know, Method Man, Red Man, Crew, LL Cool J, um, Public, you know, the Public Enemy Works from back in the days, all this stuff. So I definitely always wanted to be with that roster, and I also wanted to look for artists that kept those traditions and was pushing the culture forward, you know, like you know, if I ever was able to get into my A&R bag, which I, I was allowed to do that a little bit, having my own night show on the radio, because back then we had a lot of power and we could like play local artists on the radio. They gave us a slot to where we could put two artists against each other and let their records rock, which was dope because these were some of the only ways some of these artists were getting heard. So that was dope. So right around that same time, I linked up with a guy named Russell, who um, has a group called Chaotix and he produced, you know, uh, records for them. And he was like, yo man, you dope. I want to work with you. So we put together a 12 inch a, a and B side called Clear, with the B side being Ready on the right, featuring his group Chaotix. We put it out on Land speed and it did really good. Not only at the college level, but it really did good in Germany as well. So slowly but surely, I started getting requests to come over there to do shows and, and stuff like that. And it showed me that wow, there still is power in the 12 inch, and people still like boom bap hip hop. You know, a tradition that even continues to this day. It may not be the most mainstream, but there's an underground resistance of people who really just want to hear some, you know, like some, you know, some just real grimy hip hop, you know. And Boom
1: Bap is back to number one on the charts.
0: You know, we've been here for years. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like it, it, there may be ebb and flows to, you know, how popular or how mentioned it is, but, you know, like everything has a wave. Everything has a wave. And, you know, and it's good to see that Boom Bap is back in the wave
1: it is it's especially being a real hip-hop fan and you've actually had the opportunity to collaborate with craig g from the juice crew too
0: yes indeed yo the crazy thing thing with craig g is like the collaboration came from i guess a mutual respect from we battled in um in dallas like uh, there was this event that came that uh, my homies viz and fats used to do called final fridays they still do it intermittently and they set up a battle between me and craig g and like yo I didn't back down, he didn't back down, and we gave these people a hell of a show. So the very next day, we was in a studio cooking up something in the, in the lab, and it's dope to this very day, like Craig G still puts out records, and the records is dope, because he's not just a MC from the 80s, he's a, a timeless MC who believes in his craft, man, and like and is not afraid to like test his skills against up-and-comers which I thought that was like super commendable. Cause some people get to a certain place in their career. They're like, nah, man, you know, like you ain't on my level, but yo, he gave me a shot and that shot psh, helped make me a legend in my city or That's one of funny. the cities I'm from.
1: Rather. That's a fact. And just going further into your hip hop career and then being in radio and Dish Nation, I remember being in third grade and watching you on Dish Nation and people considered you the number one guy on that show. People were calling you the number one guy on that and you gotta tell me the first time that you met the brat Funkified. you gotta tell me how what was that story
0: wow so the brat you know like like many of us we all grew up you know watching the brat you know whether it be like on magazines watching music videos know, tv raps rap city the whole nine so when um i met her years ago actually when i was still doing nights in Dallas, she had put out the unrestricted album and she came through the radio station. We did an interview, right? And I'm like, yo, she's cool as hell. And fast forward a few years, she got into a little bit of trouble. And then when she got out, I ran into her at this restaurant called STK and she was like super duper cool. I'm like, yo, you got to come on the show. And so we could talk about, like, you know, what you got going on. So she came on uh, Ricky Smiley morning show and, um, you know, just the energy was great. Everybody loved her and some personnel changes happened to where a slot opened up and Ricky was like, yo, let's get the brat. And then I go from being a fan of the brat to working with the brat every day on the radio. And then from working with it on the radio to working with on dish nation. So it's kind of dope. And like to be able to like be elbow to elbow with some of the people that you looked up to growing up, man, it's a dope thing. And don't think about the brat too. She's another one who, is not afraid to still go for it. Because we used to do this weekly thing on a radio show where we, uh, called The Flow and Go where we'd take random topics and freestyle about it. And, you know, and the brat never punked out once. She shows up.
1: <laughs> I don't, I'm not surprised.
0: You know what I'm saying? So it's so dope to see, like, you know, the headspace that she was in when she was still on the, you know, like, you know, heavy in the game in that degree, right? Also to see where she was on a comeback trail and just to see how beautiful the glow up has been even while getting madly recently man it's it, it's just so dope to see my sis happy and still a respected heavyweight in the rap game and cooking man it's dope
1: another respected rap heavyweight and a pioneer in this game was dj cool Herc. you guys met at a club exchanged numbers and he actually took you and your wife around in the city in a van to all these clubs in new york city
0: yeah, like it was the best tour guide ever. Like, I don't think no one could give you a more thorough tour of the Bronx than Cool Herc. Like we went like five clubs. We went to like a strip club was one of them. Um, we ended up buying a bottle of champagne. I like I didn't know I wasn't supposed to buy the bottle of champagne because he was just running in there real quick. And I was like, yo, I need to sit down somewhere. And like Herc is like, hey, um, don't worry about all that. Just uh I'll be right back. But the lady was like yo if you want to sit here, you gotta buy this bottle. so we ended up buying like a 300 bottle of champagne and before we could even pop the cork kirk Herk is like yo what are you doing i'm like yeah they said in order to sit here and i didn't want it like i don't want to make it weird so he's like nah man you didn't have to do that man you don't have to do that so and my wife ended up putting the giant bottle of champagne into this tiny clutch purse it was like the real life version of watching someone put a ship in a bottle it was the illest shit ever right so the uh so we go from there then he takes me to the the post office that the son of sam used to work at like the serial killer yeah the one the dog told him to kill people
1: huh the dog told him to kill people
0: it was the dog that told told me yeah Yeah. (laughs) sam's son uh but yo it was just a crazy night man and the crazy thing is like anytime you call Herc, he has the same level of enthusiasm every time he picks up the phone man and that's the beauty uh, that's the beauty of hip-hop culture A lot of these people who helped get this thing up and running, they're still here. Some of them are in different financial spaces and places than others, but they're still here, man. So that's why I always feel like it's great to be able to not only show love to these OGs, but also like try to do business with them. Create opportunities where they can eat because you got to understand a lot of these guys were operating in a culture when there wasn't really any money to be made. They was doing it for the love. You know, so when you hear these new guys like little this, little that who get like a one hundred thousand dollars for a walkthrough and they don't know who a, a cool Herc or a Grandmaster Flash is or don't know about a Grandmaster Caz or the Treacherous Three, Fearless Four, all these guys. Cold Crush. Cold Crush, man. Like it, it. It frustrates me because any good athlete, basketball, football, baseball, whatever, boxing, you know, these people who. Who paved the way for you to be here, or like some of these people who broke some of these records. And I feel like in, in hip hop culture, there's a there's a bad energy with certain pockets of the culture where they're like, oh, that happened before my time. Oh, those dudes is washed. But nah, these dudes paid a lot of dues in order for you to even do what we're doing today. So I always, I always, you know, I, I'm I'm gracious to be able to to intertwine, interact even shake hands dap with any of these people because, yo, you're a part of the reason that I do what I do and I'm still passionate about it. You know, you're an
1: MC, especially from the Bronx. So you understand the game and I'm not surprised that you always pay homage and it's important. I agree with you. There's a disconnect between some of the youth artists out here that don't pay homage and they say, Oh, the, these artists are whack. That sounds dated, but You know, there's a thousand of Lil's out there that sound the same. And there's only one Cool Hurg, there's only one Cold Crush, and then even the MCs from the 80s and 90s that we can go on and on about.
0: Yeah, no, indeed. And especially, too, like, I like when I see artists that have generation gaps between them collab and do records together. Because I think that's the only way we can bridge the gap, ecosystem going and bridge the gap. I think it's very important. Because then you sometimes do have some artists that try – styles that they're not really fluid and efficient at. And I think sometimes you need some people, like people to help keep you in a style pocket. Not saying that you have to completely change your style, but there's ways where you can do what you do and apply your science to, to the modern thing, but not sound like you are trying to keep up. Because with some people, we don't want to hear you do today's style. We want to hear how your style sounds now with today's thought process. And I think it's hard to not get that um, uh, that that creative schizophrenia sometimes because you're like, ah, oh, what do people want to hear? Well, they want to hear you. Mm-hmm. They want to hear what you have to say now. And some people evolve great and some people don't. Like, I think Jay-Z has done a great job of evolving.
1: Nas I is on a I great made. run too.
0: Yeah, Nas, oh my God. Who would think Nas would? Everybody wanted Nas, the top Illmatic but no one knew that we would want Nas the top uh, King's disease. No one knew that that was going to be the new bar that he was going to set. For a second, everybody's like, he'll never do something as good as life is good. But now we're talking King's disease, which is like, damn near 10 years after life is good. And I love to see it because that is what is supposed to happen within the culture. People be trying to age you out and push you out the door like 30 plus. But yo... Rick Ross is still making phenomenal albums. Jay Z is still doing phenomenal work. Nas, Two Chainz, um, shit, Static Selector, um, you know, like he's like one of the Quincy Joneses of hip hop right now. Soon as Andre Three Thousand stop being afraid and press the button, I know he, I know Andre got fifty songs sitting on a hard drive somewhere right now. I know he does. That will change the face of rap if he decides to put it out. But sometimes we penalize our people for trying to grow up we penalize artists for trying to grow up sometimes and i think that's probably one of the biggest disservices we do to ourselves within the culture like i remember when raekwon came out with a mobilarity, and they're like no we want cuban links again and it's like yo but i'm trying to grow let up, let them grow
1: <laughs> and, and immobilarity you gotta think of the song sneakers on there
0: oh that was that yo like it's like one of the last tracks on the album that's one of my bobs though Classic, classic heart to not- heart live from new york i mean he had so many dope joints on there but people still wanted them to cast a name <laughs> you know i don't understand
1: yeah it's just unbelievable in relation to the conversation that we're having though how did you feel about mace's new record with the oracle 2 and an old artist trying to fit in with today's generation
0: oh man that was definitely part of the example of like yo you didn't have to do that bro like no, not what i say you don't have to do that. Is like mace is dope for like No reason. Like, for whatever, like, for no reason, Mace is still dope. I just didn't want to handle auto-tune.
1: No. Oracle 1 was perfect when he he went to Cameron. Oracle 1 was
0: flawless execution. And here's the thing. Mace is like a serial killer who's never been caught, who comes out to kill randomly, and you don't know when it's going to happen. But this time he left clues, and the clues was the auto-tune, bro. Like, ah, it would have been a great record. I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get past it, but you know, Mace Penn still move. And if he ever decides to give people a full body of work again, I think people will be blown away at how, how sharp you could still be. He could pull off a King's disease. He could pull off a 444 because you have so much to say, but I think Mace is possibly stuck in one of those places where he doesn't know what people want from him. At this point in time, because like there's there's some people like, hey, ain't you a pastor? And then there's some people who are like, yo, we know you can do the murder mace thing because we've heard you because you come out and do this randomly once every I can't even figure out the pattern. Like if I was an FBI dude and had to look at a count, they're like, yo, he does this every seven hundred and seventy six days. Like, I feel like there's a weird algorithm to why he does what he does or when he does it. But man, just like, yo, press the button, bro. Press it. <laughs> And
1: just to tie everything together, if you look at a perfect track where the new, a new artist from the newer generation gets on a track with Nas, which is "Spicy," him and Fav- Nas and Fabio, they made a hit off that song.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's a great example of what happens when you bridge the gaps. You stick to what you do, but invite other people to the party. It could be done. Which also I feel like it worked because they worked with the producer. There's Hip a work. lot of times with cats, you know, we 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 take advantage of the technology, but we also abuse the technology. Like email me the track, bro. I'll send you my verse in 72 hours. Sometimes you need to produce it there to be like, no, say it like this, yo. You know, you could do better. That take was okay, but why don't you do it like this? Sometimes I think that is so key because. Music is a collaborative effort. It's a collaborative energy. And if you're working with others, I feel like the best work comes from when you're working with people in the room. Even with the projects I'm working on now, some of these songs would have been drastically different if I was left to my own devices with some of them. And some of them, I think, turned out phenomenal because I had somebody in my ear saying, yo, what if we did this? Yo, what if your approach was more like that? And... And then, then you get those results, man. It's like, it's, it's cool when it's teamwork.
1: I think the perfect artist to bridge the gap, and it's a little sensitive topic right now, but with Tory Lanez, because he can rap and he can sing. I was sleeping on him for years. And then when I heard some of this newer music, I said, this guy is, he's going to be a problem out here.
0: Yo, if he can manage to stay out of jail, he's going to, I mean, and, and if people forgive him, right? Because he's a very polarizing name in the music biz right now. Because you're right, bro. He can sing. He can rap. He proved that he could battle rap. Because like when he was going through that little run, too, where he was going at it with... Cassidy. Uh, I think it was Cassidy, Joyner Lucas. I feel like there was one more name in there, but also Dream... The only person that brought him down a peg was Dream Doll. Because she hit him with the blow-the-belt, you know, like chick stuff. Like, yo, you left Beijing on my, on my pillow and you wanted me to do a threesome. Like it sounded too accurate to be made up and it's like, oh, she got you, bro. It's like, you know, when a chick read a love letter in front of the whole class, you know? So, but like he can really do everything except even
1: make an 80 album.
0: Yeah. And I haven't heard prom. that whole alone at prom joint, but even based off the records that he's getting sued for now, I want to listen to it. It's like, Oh, work. You sample Kayla's whisper. Now I want to listen. Um, so like, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy because like some people in the music space are very talented, but it'd just be cool to not like them. <laughs> and once everybody decides like one, two, three, break, we don't like you. People just be, you know, hands over the ears and uh, you know turning a deaf ear to it. But hopefully he bounces back from all this. I can't wait to find out what happens. To him in the Make the Stallion trial because someone's lying or was too drunk to remember the truth. And I'm like Michael Jackson in the meme with the popcorn. Like who was it? I want to know because I, um, I, I like them both. I've interviewed them both. Meg is a sweetheart. Tory Lanez is a cool dude. Very passionate, but very cool dude. And I just, I hate that they're both going through this, but somebody in this whole line.
1: And we're going to find that out soon. I, that's going to be coming soon. And I'm Word. I'm looking forward to hearing the truth on it. But what is your take of just being in the radio world and covering media and press and it, being on the air? You, you always have to be careful about what you say sometimes, What is your take on the cancel culture? And do you think it's always been around longer than it has? And it's just now being pronounced in the coming years of recently.
0: I mean, I think cancel culture only came because like social media gives more people a voice, right? The real cancel culture is being blackballed when someone somewhere who has the power to be like, nah, fam, it's not going to happen. That is the true definition of cancel culture. Like Whatever weird thing happened with T Pain, that was cancel culture, and he doesn't—he didn't even do anything the public knows about. No, but at some point, someone changed the locks on T Pain. He didn't become a less a lesser artist than he's always been, but at some point or another, somebody's like, "Nah, you're like I—I I didn't like his hat," and <laughs> so changed the locks on him. Um, same thing with Nicki Minaj. I have, you know, shout out to my man, Choke No Joke, who said the moment that things got weird for Nicki Minaj was the moment she said, Miley, what's good? And some calls were made to some important people. And this this is not what I'm saying. This is what he said. And from that moment on, things have been a little difficult for Nicki. And I, you know, and when you step back and look at it, you're like, hmm, there may be something to this. Because it's not like Nicki forgot how to rap and her record stopped being good. She's still out here cooking up heat. But people get the locks changed on them in this business a lot. Did Missy stop being great? Who, what happened behind the scenes to where somebody's like, yeah. You can put it in an Amazon commercial, but nah. Because if, if, if you're telling me Coiler Ray deserves more radio play than Missy Elliott, I would.
1: blasphemous.
0: I'll throw you through a glass window. I don't believe it. <laughs> I, I just don't believe it. I'll oh, give you another example. Crapping, it's not even me crapping on Koi LaRae. Because I think she's... I love when artists start to figure it out. And she's an artist that's slowly figuring it out. Like, some of her earlier records sounded like... But as time went by, like, she started figuring it out. And I love to watch people figure it out. Kendrick wasn't perfect on his first album. No. But he was better than a lot of people, right? That's <laughs> but, fact. When, but when you listen to, like, overly dedicated... To and and then even the the quantum leap that he made on Section 80 to then Good the, Kid Matt City, City to be a butterfly, butterfly, damn. Like you watched a dude turn you watched a mere mortal turn into a superhero sonically right before your eyes. So I love to watch people figure it out. But that whole cancel culture thing, man, like on the actor's pace, let's bring a white guy into this. What's my man from uh, Pineapple Express that's not Seth Rogen? James Franco. Yo, All the
1: accusations.
0: They changed the locks on him so fast that they act like the disaster artist wasn't even made. I can't even tell you a platform that it's streaming on. Not saying that it's not streaming anywhere. I haven't looked. However, you know, sometimes you just be randomly flipping through your channels on cable and a movie will come on. Like, he should have won every award that year. And even if he didn't accept it, they just they, they erased history. They acted like the movie never came out. We don't know what you talk. about. What is this disaster artist you speak of? And I think it's terrible. Same thing happened with Bill Cosby. They started pulling the Cosby show off the air when he was going through what he was going through. And a lot of people who are not Bill Cosby lost money. And they got blackballed by association. Not, not granted less opportunities, but you know it messed up their money. And I, I think when things like that happen, it's messed up and... I it's an unpopular opinion, but I think sometimes we should be in a space where we can separate the art from the person who made it. You know, because even with. um, it's popular, like an unpopular thing, R. Kelly. I knew you were going there because <laughs> I agree. Yo, like, I'm not saying that we should be playing. You remind me of my Jeep, but there are certain stations that will not even allow you to play. Like, I believe I can fly. Not even in, in a motivational space and we just can't act like it, but i think it's important to keep these th- the art alive so we can tell the cautionary tale of this flawed person who made amazing music that got too close to the sun and burnt himself you know i like you know you we can't erase history cuz no. people have done that enough in history books and that's why most people don't know about the the black wall street you know yeah. building everything's been whitewashed in, in yeah you know like ah, we don't, we're not we're not proud of that so we're going to hide it and maybe one day you can google it. That's another thing I have problem I have with like digital things. Like if you don't have physical things and everything's left to digital, like someone can go and like erase the digital trace of it all right now. Like ugly pictures of Beyonce. They exist but you can't find them anymore. No. Cuz some people are more powerful than others. Change the locks on you. That's
1: right. Another example I was going to bring up before was Troy Ave. I mean, once that stuff went down with the incident at Irvin Plaza in New York, he's still going to trial. I think the reason why he hasn't really taken off too, just by being blackballed as well as being independent, is because he hasn't been able to tour. He had his first performance in New York City the other night, and the crowd went mm-hmm. crazy to his songs.
0: Yeah. And Troy Ave is a personal friend of mine, one of the most solid dudes in the business. Absolutely. And I think when everything went down, a lot of people, threw their hands up and like, you know, didn't want to associate themselves with Troy because of the people he was beefing with and the potential trouble that he could be in. But when you look at the, when you look at everything that we like idolize and salute within the culture, this dude swung on the guy that was talking smack like about it. Well, actually I think if my memory serves me correct and I, I could be, I could be wrong. But you got into it with the guy who has been talking crazy about you. You wrestle the gun out of that person's hand, and you get shot yourself. And but you didn't. He didn't, you know. And drove himself to the hospital. Like these are the details that you know that when are fake and fabricated, we salute, we support. Oh man, this is a real. This is a tale of a real one. And when it really happens, you don't like it because of. Who, person who it was you know or whatever or like you know it it, it frustrates me man but yo, Troy know, is a solid dude who works hard he grinds he's a man of his word and it's gonna happen for him especially once he's able to get back out there and tour it I saw the videos of him doing his first shows back out and like yo people love his music and the energy that it brings man and I can't wait for more people to get you know christened by it
1: Yeah, he put New York City on his back there. And and he really was responsible for bringing back that New York hip hop and put it on the forefront in New York with New York City, the album and bricks in my backpack three. It's just amazing. I can't wait to see the run that he's going to be on. But I want to get back to you, because you have some amazing stories as well. We'll get into your boxing journey. But Tyrese, He's someone that's very passionate. You love the sit-down interview that he did with you. He invited you to his house, and all of a sudden, you show up and Run was there. You had a great conversation with Run because you're a huge Run DMC fan. You asked Hell Run yeah. if he would do an album, if you would do another album. He, he was like, I'm good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that shocked me, man. It, it, the crazy thing is about like people that we idolize, I think sometimes they forget who they are and how much they mean to people and how much people are still willing to show up for them you know, if they was willing to do something, man. And like, you know, and I know Tyrese be going through the things he be going through, his ups and downs and whatnot, man. But that was just so G Tyrese to just like be like, I don't know. Cause like he called me one day. He's like, yo, I don't know why, but something told me to invite you to my house today. Be here at three. And then like to go there and like, yo, that's Run. Like who I've met before. Because I rhymed for Run when I was fresh out of high school and I rhymed so I could like get an opening spot on his, uh, on his tour. Because uh, he had a tour date in Houston. And he's like, yo, you cool. Come to Houston. And like on this date and ask for, uh, I think Eric Blam. I think it was his manager at the time. He's like, ask for Eric Blam. I want to make sure you're good. And Run was a man of his word. And the crazy thing, when you try to talk to Run about that, like you don't remember it because he's done that a million times for a million other people because he spent most of his life being the most famous person in the room. But just to even just be able to hear stories and just you know, have a one-on-one conversation with somebody who meant so much to me, who I looked up to, it meant the world to me. And then for that reason alone, I will defend Tyrese right or wrong until the day he dies. You know what I mean? Because that was just super G and he had to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Throughout your time during quarantine, you played a lot of video games and just kept yourself occupied. You You've made so much music, actually. You have so much recorded in the chamber that you don't even need to record anymore. Did you reflect on your radio career and and think of any of the most memorable moments that you just couldn't believe that happened throughout your career, especially on Dish Nation?
0: I mean, I think music is the escape from everything that I consider work, because like music to me is not work. Music is the outlet. So sometimes radio makes its way into my music stories. But I mean, I just. The way I utilize radio is more so to have a positive impact on the people that are listening like, currently, with my show, we're doing this run right now where we're, like, giving you a chance to win a $1,000 every day. And I know for a lot of people, getting hit with a $1,000 could be life-changing money for them, depending on what financial space and place that they're in or, like, where they at. So, Or even allowing people to come on the air and tell their stories or get advice about things. So that's kind of, like, my community service aspect. But the music is where I truly get to, like... Say how I feel or tell stories that like not safe for radio, you know. And not saying that like I'm telling two live crew, you know, Luther Campbell style stories. But you know, like yo, like I used to get into some things when I was, you know, when I was younger. And I say younger in air quotes because maybe some of this stuff happened last week. I don't know, but you, know, <laughs> but you, keep, you keep it at the same for bro. the after hour show, <laughs> right? Right. Like it, I mean, that stuff could have landed anywhere. But man, like I, I truly feel most fulfilled. Doing music, rocking out in front of a crowd, because these are truly 100% my thoughts, things that I created in a lot of times this room that you're you're we're interviewing in right now and presenting it to the world. So that means a lot to me because it's all on my own shoulders and all my own merit. Like, I have to do it, you know, so I appreciate I, I dig that aspect of it.
1: hmm. I salute you on everything that you've done for radio, especially with the after hours show, because it's difficult when you really learn about the radio industry, because not all content fits the formats of radio. Right. And you said I'm going to take the after hours show, do it all myself, and put up the content myself, and that's what you did.
0: Well, I you know I can't say I did it all myself. I definitely had a lot of help, man. Shout out to my manager Anna, who like you know in different uh, aspects of after hours helped me book the guests. Um, help get some of the stuff edited because it's hard to do it all. Like, And sometimes the episodes was coming slow because I was trying to do it all. And I think anybody who really gets far down the road knows the importance of a team. Like, you know, I could do a lot, I'm creative, but it's those extra hands, that extra love that I get from the people who believe in what I do, whether it be my manager, whether it be... Maybe I have an intern for a little bit or even a camera person who is along for the journey that whether I'm paying or they're just doing it because they want the experience. All these people help get these things to go. And like After Hours has been a super duper blessing because I got to check in with a lot of people before they took off. Like we mentioned Meg Thee Stallion earlier, um, right before Meg was out of here, she came through to uh, After Hours and did this thing called The Take where I would give artists like one shot to get it right. And if you got it right, it's going to be great. And if you got it wrong, I'm putting it out wrong. And yo, she understood the assignment and she bodied it. There was a couple of people who didn't understand the assignment. And sometimes I'm too nice and I should have put the videos out, but I didn't like, there are some people who have, who have crashed and burned into flames, charred corpse manager, hand and face. I can't believe this. And some of them are people, you know, but, I'm not in the business of making people look bad. No. You know?
1: You don't want to be the hated personality.
0: I mean, that works for some people. Um, I've never wanted to be in the business of burning so many bridges that when the bullet comes, you don't know what direction it came from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I try to operate in a space and place where, like, my intentions are good. You know, I'll set up the, I'll set the scenario just to let you know there's a left there's a I've never been in the business of making people look bad but like I do want to create like some threat level to where like hey listen we don't have all day <laughs> nail it because you've heard these horror stories about like the double XL freshman freestyles where like yeah you you thought that was bad that was the 78th take you know what I mean so and this is the world we live in you can't go on the AMAs or the Grammys and be like yo run that back run that back like, no. Like, if you're coming to do an appearance on someone's show and you have, like, some rhymes ready to go, you got to have it together. Now, I can understand if I asked you the day you got there and you're not that type of artist. But, like, you know, if you're a freestyle artist and that's what you, what you do, you go off the top, it's great. But, you know, like, some people consider themselves killers in the game. Like, yo, you had, like, four weeks. Like, come on, get it together, bro. Like, sis, what up? Come you prepared. know. So, yeah, like be be prepared. So like, that's what that was all about. But the pandemic, you know, made it hard to get more in person interviews because like studio protocols and uh, but but we all come back in full force, man, now that the world is like starting to ease up a lot more. So I'm looking forward to that as well.
1: You got your name just by your experience of rolling dice. That's how your name came about. Headcrack.
0: Yeah, and I gave myself that name. It's like no one no one else was crafty enough to come up with that name. That's just me, like, you know, cause like around the same time I'm shooting dice. Like brand new being slow down was like still a song I was listening to a lot when Sadat X would go, yeah, head crack, head crack. And then um this group called Double X Posse had a song called The Headcracker, which was like when bad things happen. So like, yo, with a pair of dice in my hand and you got money, bad things is about to happen. Let's get it. Cause I that was my that was my job that was my means of an income like I would take my school lunch money for the week use that to shoot dice and that's how I came up like whether we were study hall on the bus um uh, in at like you know in the little rec area like at school that was like man I always kept them things shaking and that was just like one of the ways uh yeah one of the ways I I, I provided for myself
1: walk me through your boxing journey because that's something that you're most passionate about
0: well that's my current passion for the moment man like you know my new album Microdose is in the can getting ready to start rolling the singles out man first single violence and for the love the a side b side comes out march 26th but uh june 11th it is going down um uh i'm stepping in the ring and boxing is part of like my family lineage you know my cousin is joe frazier or you know the late great joe frazier at that and um boxing was always on in the crib and, you know, anybody from the city has been in a street fighter too, but there's differences between street fights, which in our heads, we think every fight that we've ever been in were like these nine minute epic bouts. No, most of us fought for 46 seconds, maybe 27. Right. So to be able to expand my lungs and like build some level of durability to where I could go three rounds with whoever my opponent is about to be is really forcing me to have to dig deep and 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 become a monster that I haven't had to be in quite some time because, you know, you don't have to punch people in the face during Dish Nation so, or, like, worry about getting punched during Dish Nation. So this is a whole different level of prep that I'm having to do. And I and if I was to say it was easy, I'd be lying because, like, there's some days where, like, I'm outside of the gym dry heaving because my, my, my trainer Pepper is really pushing me, trying to turn me into this animal, man. And uh, I'm having fun. Um, and I just can't wait to see what goes down June 11th when we step in that ring and the bell goes ding. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. I was the thriller in the alley, Fraser Manila.
0: Shout out to the jizzle. Gotcha.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you thought, you know, boxing has been such a huge part in hip hop. Have you thought about creating your own music video on boxing? Because you look at cannabis, second round knockout. Then you have mama said, knock you out with LL Cool J, Cool Mo D hit him with the death blow.
0: Mm hmm. Yo, you know your stuff, Mad Max. Thanks, man. (laughs) I definitely want, like, every project, I think of what song would be the boxing video, right? But sometimes you be in shape. Sometimes you don't be in shape. And I feel like right now I'm in better shape than I've been in in years. You know what I'm saying? It's like, whoa, there's one, two, three, four. We're up to four abs right now. Uh, so like I wanted to get to the point where like I get like all six of these bad boys showing up and then like you know we could try a thirst trap for the ladies them but you know I, I, when I do this boxing video whatever this music video look like it, I want it to be right I want it to be dope Um, maybe it'll be for a record off microdose even though I really feel like it'll be on whatever the next project is Uh, I, I think that's the route but I've always wanted to do that because all those videos you mentioned were all inspired, like, I, and you even left one out. Um, H- House of Pain on point.
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: that was another one. Uh, Schooly D, No More Rock and Roll. Even that was like more uh, wrestling themed. But like, all of those videos stuck out in my head because of their boxing themes, and I and I thought those were always cool.
1: Hundred percent. And I can see you making one in the near future. You've Got the Microdose EP coming soon, and you have an educational course too that you're going to be. Working on Yeah,
0: man! Shout out to the dope people over at Bright. Now, for those who don't know, Bright is a online service where, like, if you have uh, things that you're very passionate about they have these different experts come on and do these courses. So uh, the course that I just recently did was how to, uh, to how to prepare for on-air. So we walk you through the different types of, like, you know, broadcasting there is, whether you talk about, like, terrestrial radio, satellite podcasting, college radio, digital online radio, things like that. Um, then, you know, we go on to, like, how to make money in these different aspects of the business. And then for the final course, we did a thing where people was playing us, like, their three-minute demo of what their show would sound like and uh you know in giving like you know critiques and feedback uh the next session that i'm gonna do with them is gonna be a little bit more in the music space but we're definitely gonna bring that on-air uh component back as well because uh, you know it was it was pretty it was pretty informative and people like demanded more so we definitely gonna come back and get the people what we need man i feel like the best fishermen they know how to fish for themselves but if you can teach other people to fish you know the universe will bless you with you know all things you ask for
1: one of your goals eventually is to host your own game show too.
0: Yeah, Yo, when you look at game shows, right? When you think about certain shows; these people have this job forever. So, if you could get a really dope game show and be really great at hosting it, it's cruise control, easy money. And then, like understanding how a lot of these game shows work; these guys tape like five to ten episodes in a day, and do it for like three weeks and be off for like five months and then come back and do it again. So that's a cool, like semi retirement space to be, because I feel like God didn't make us to work to the day we die. You know what I mean? So like once I hit like 50, 60, that's like the lane I want to be in work just a little bit just to keep the brain sharp. But I want to chill be someplace where there's like a scenic view, sunset, weird birds that I can't pronounce sipping on something mysterious, you know what I mean? So, like, that's, that's, that's the goal for me. I got some game show ideas, um, and, like, I'm going to start rolling some things out in a few, but I got ch- to chop down one tree at a time. First thing is this opponent that I'm tackling June 11th and also putting out this project, Microdose and touring with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Some other things that you're interested in doing, do you want to play a villain in a movie similar to the villain in RoboCop or even The Professional?
0: Hell yeah, because when you think about RoboCop, if anybody seen the OG one, not the remake, that was trash. Um, Yo, the guy who played Clarence Botica was the dad from that 70s show. And when you think about that, that's nuts. So most people see me as the nice guy because they see me on Dish Nation, but I have a severe dark side. So playing a villain would just allow me to shake things up. It's kind of like when people used to do Disney show show titty. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I'm not a kid, you know? Like, so that's me shaking things up and doing something different.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to see that that that's your passion as well. And, you know, you've come a long way in this industry and you want to work with Rick Rubin. That's someone that you've stated in the past that you want to work with shot day
0: Cause these are like people that don't work with just everybody. So like, if I get to the point where like, I'm on a Rick Rubin's radar, not only would these records be incredible, because if you look at the track record, like he's he hasn't really produced any duds, and even if they didn't like weren't commercial successes, these were joints that were revisited later and viewed as like, yo, this was a really good album. Damn, Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin produced the Ghetto Boys album. Like, dude is thorough. In addition to the stuff he's done with, like you know the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, stuff he did with L, um, you know, so Rick Rubin's that guy. And Sade, her voice is smooth as butter. Like no like you can make a baby or kill a human to Sade's music. It's like whatever you want to do to it. And I I there's something about her voice that just hypnotized me. It reminds she reminds me of my mom for some bizarre reasons. But my mom doesn't sing like Sade, but it's something about her, her tone and her voice that just sounds so familiar and it just it just hugs my heart and my ears that like I just would love to just whether it's do a project with her or do a record with her or just sample something of her is really strong and get her blessing. Like, yo, I like this enough to where I'm going to clear the sample. You know, like if I can get that, I would be happy.
1: <laughs> it's just amazing to see the people that you want to work with. And I can see it happening in the near future, but you know, head crack, is there anything else you would love to let the audience know that we haven't covered that you have on the way besides we, we covered pretty much everything, the educational course, the upcoming EP, and then your your boxing journey that you're on right now.
0: Brother, yo, Mad Max, we took a deep dive. And yeah. we went in some, like, you know, we went down some alleys that I haven't been through yet in an interview, which I appreciate. Because, you know, sometimes you could, like, pull the string and just, like, these are the answers that I always give. You know what I'm saying? But, like, nah, we went some different places. I appreciate that. Uh, microdose. We're gonna microdose these singles to you First two is coming at you on March 26th. Be on the lookout for something else following in April. Um, And like the way we're rolling these records out, it's like a yin and a yang. Like the A side is violence, which is like very just uproar energy. Nine times out of 10, actually 10 times out of 10. This is the song I am coming out to in my fight in June. Because the second I heard the beat, which was produced by my homegirl Higgy, big shout out to her. I was like, I don't know what I'm saying on this, but this is the first song on my next project. And once I laid the vocals, I was like, this is definitely the first song on my next project. So be on the lookout for Violence, March 26th. The B-side is called For the Love, which is a celebration of all things hip-hop culture. Mad Max, I know you're going to love that one because we actually, I actually talk about some of the things we talked about here on that project. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I, got, I got a record with Zaytoven on Microdose. And um, also cooked up with my homies from the local astronauts, a really dope production duo out of LA. It's it's just, it's vibes, man. Something on there for everybody, man. So be on the lookout for those. And uh, yo, June 11th, man. Wish your boy luck, man. I'm just out there just to rep the culture and, and continue to try to make us look good, baby.
1: That's right. He's done it all. He's done it all from radio. He's going into boxing. He's even had his own voicing appearance on Archer as he ran into the booking for Archer. The person does the booking and got you part on Archer. He's done it all, and this is someone that you want to follow in the footsteps of and look as an inspiration in this game for sure because he's taken it in all avenues.
0: Indeed, man. Yo, the the only limits are the ones you set for yourselves, man, and I never believe in setting limits, man. So whatever it is y'all want to do out there, do it all but just do the due diligence on the research so you can know how to get there. That's right. And and
1: you left an amazing legacy behind and you continue to grow that by just seeing the good in all of people and just living life and having fun.
0: Hey, Keep everybody deserves it. a shot, Mad Max, man. So I appreciate this opportunity that you gave me and uh, whatever it is you want to do in life. Just know you got an ally in me. So don't hesitate to holler at me, man, and we'll get it going, bro.
1: I appreciate that head cracking and you're always welcome on the show. Thank you for coming on and thank you to your manager for setting this up as well. I had a great time.
0: Oh man. Yo, Anna's the OG superstar manager. Everybody needs a good one in their corner, man. And like, once again, man, thank you for your time and shout out to the listeners of the DJ Mad Max, man, sports and hip hop. This is where it all connects. I love it. That's a fact. What are you listening to right now? Music-wise.
1: Me and my playlist, I'm very old school with it. I like Tana Talk 4, Dave album. I'm a big fan of Logic, but I, one of my favorite albums of all time, if it's not The Great Adventures of Slick Rick, it's got to be capital, capital Punishment by Big Pun.
0: Yo, let me tell you, uh, two things. So the Slick Rick album. So last night, did you buy the, um, damn it, what is the name of that company that does the reissues? Uh, so there's a company that does reissues. They made a children's book version of the great adventures of slick rick album and it's children's story like illustrated with the drawings and the words and everything my kids have been reading that every night for the last like three four weeks so they'll read the story then they'll have me read it to them and then they'll like read the story while listening to the song a children's story I just thought that was brilliant for Slick Rick to illustrate that one. I wish he would have did The Moment I Feared, but then it's not for kids, right? No. <laughs> but that's dope. And then uh, the damn uh, Capital Punishment album. I used to do street work, and I worked for Loud. So Big Pun's promo cassettes were like came like in a cigarette carton. And the original version of Dream Shatterer, which he ended up putting on Endangered Species, this shit was just some of the most well woven together words ever worded on rap like hit you with a thousand pounds of pressure per slap make his whole body jerk back watch the earth crack and him his purse back yo big pun was on some other shit man like i hate that he's no longer around like and shout out to his son chris rivers because he is definitely cut off of that 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 pun dna man but yo man the 90s was a special time pun big l you know a lot of guys man and, and like can't like Cozy cool rap, cool G rap. Who's still cooking, right? I still listen to band from TV to this day. Noriega, because everybody was just cooking on it, you know. But yeah, man. So like, yo, I, I could man. Anytime you want to call, talk some rap shit, man. Just hit me up. I'm your guy. Like, oh, All for sure, that. man. You, you got
1: unrecorded, whatever. I'm your guy. When are you? When are you release an EP again? It's in.
0: So it, it's kind of like we're rolling out like the first. Uh, we're rolling out the first four singles, and then I think we'll drop everything at once. I think that's the play. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first two songs come out March 26th, um, and then the second batch come out at some point, probably at the end of April, and then the last two in May, and then that's all six songs. So, like, I got I got a record with Method Man that I feel like should be on there. But- Congrats on that.
1: And I know, I, I know, so. but just by doing my research on you that there, there's there been some artists, and one in particular, I've, you've never said the name, and it's good that you haven't, that could have really taxed you on it, on a feature, and they didn't.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes, you know, it, it depends on where certain people are in the space that they are in musically. And then sometimes it's about your relationships that you have with people, right? Like, I mean, sometimes people ask me for a feature, and I'll be like, yeah, I like rapping. I rap for sport. But then, a lot of times, when artists do ask you for money, it's because they got to pay their manager too. And some people like magnifying glass, everything like, yo, yeah, well, this feature, like, where's the money at for that? So I understand that, you know what I mean? Because, like, there's some, but there's some people even more recently who have asked for features. It is just like, it's, you know what year it is, right? You know, like, yeah. like, Help me, I help you, kind of thing, and you know, and you can't really take it personally because you don't know what bills people got to pay. So, you know, I, you know, I just appreciate to be, even have the dialogue. Like, not every, you know, not every feature will work out, but more work out than do. And if you have just money laying around, you can usually make anything work out. You know what I mean? But <laughs> so, like, but I've been pretty fortunate so far, yep. man. So hopefully that uh, that streak continues and. People would continue to work with me because I could add value to what they're doing, you know.
1: It's something interesting, you know, in, in what you brought up earlier in the interview was your love of horror, it seems, because you go to a lot of horror movies and I'm a horror movie fan.
0: Mm-hmm. No, without a big time. Like, as I said, the movie I went to go see last night, X, is made by the same with person. Cudi. Yeah, the same person who did. Um, they produced. um ah uh, going it same people who did Parasite no not Parasite never mind I can't even think of a movie it happens but... it, 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 it'll
1: come to us eventually but probably like 20 minutes from now
0: <laughs> yeah like when I'm driving going to do something but there's just something about being afraid or like just being stressed out but to know it's not happening to you for real that is the thrill I get from horror movies like even when I was a kid that was something that like I'm sure that people looked at my mom like she was crazy when she was bringing this four-year-old to go see, like, Friday the 13th 3. 3D. But I was in there like a G. Like, I wanted to see it. And I'm sure if she didn't recommend it, I did. You know, because I, that's just... I was always in the horror movies, man, and that's something that continues to this day. And out of my kids, I only got one that really rocked with me like that on the horror movies. And that's my nine-year-old. Like, my oldest is like he'll have to look and see like who dies, how they die. So he knows when to check out, you know what I mean? So it's kind of funny how that, you know, certain traits skip a generation and like, you know, who will rock with you on certain things and who won't like, even my baby, like my three-year-old, he, he want to see Scream. Like he don't want to see Scream. He he says he wants to see Scream, but he don't want to see Scream. Like they almost played Scream in the theater that I took him to go see Spider-Man on. And every time we go to the movie theaters now, it's like, is this theater seven? Because he remembered that it happened in theater seven, no matter what theater we go to, He's like, is this theater seven? I'm like, nah, it's not theater seven. But it, it's funny, man. But yeah, like horror movies has always been part of my, like my film DNA, man. And that's why I, that's another thing on my bucket list. I really do want to like write, produce, and direct a horror movie. That was going to be
1: one of my questions for you because you're passionate about film and you stepped your game up and took acting seriously and it seems like you're passionate about film. I feel the same way about hip-hop the way I do horror movies. The remakes, I mean stop. We need more originality, more Wes Cravens, more John Carpenters and Sam Raimis out here.
0: Absolutely and the crazy thing is like a lot of the innovation is coming from Asia as it relates to some of the, the horror genre. And even when you look at things that Americans, we remade like The Ring and you know, I heard they trying to remake Last Train to Busan but americanize it. It's like, no, they already did it great. Let that be great and appreciate that for what it is. That's why I like like the work that Jordan Peele is doing because he's done two movies that I have never seen before. Like I've seen Us and I've seen um Get Out, but I've never seen those movies. Before. These are original concepts. So when, like, guys like Sam Raimi cook up something that, wow, this is pretty innovative. And even the movie I saw last night, X was different. I expected it to be one way, and it was a different way. And even, like, you know, movies that really, like, stoked the flame in my fireplace when I was growing up, like, uh, Dead and Buried. I don't know if you ever saw that one. I've Have heard of know? that
1: before. I've heard of it.
0: Bro, like, as far as retro horror using practical effects where everybody's on the table... Because there's some movies you watch, but like they ain't gonna kill that kid, <laughs> and then the more that oh, we killing kids, like oh. <laughs> everybody, like anybody can get it. This is what we're doing in 1982. Like those movies are the ones that I really feel like you know leave a taste in your mouth because like wow, didn't see that coming. Even like I, I saw the OG Night of the Living Dead,
1: 1968, George
0: A. Romero. Obviously, way after it came out, you know, because I wasn't born in 1968, so. But, like, making it to the end of that film, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who didn't see it, and seeing what happened was like, well, damn. After all of that, <laughs> you know? But it was this great storytelling. It wasn't an ultra gore fest, but it was, like, the cornerstone of it was great storytelling and seeing something that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And even when they tried to, like, you know, put a fresh layer of paint on it with Return of the Living Dead, which wasn't directly connected to Night of the Living Dead, it was like, oh, it's like punk rock zombies. I like it. This is different, you know? And even, you know, even like the lost camera footage films like uh, Blair, Witch. Blair Witch Project. Yo, Mad Max. So when I saw Blair Witch, this was before it came out in theaters and they was just passing this tape around college campuses. And the word, yo, you seen the tape? What tape? Yo, the tape of the people that got stuck in the woods. Yo, I know my man over there in Dawn, blah, 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 who got it. Let's go over there and watch it with them. So we're watching it. We'll watch him and have no idea that this is just like strong pre-promo for something that they plan on releasing. So just imagine just like the, like the blank expression you have on your face when you're driving home, not being able to understand what you, like that was special, you know? So to be able to create those moments with film and hopefully with hip hop, is you know what I aim to do those those moments where you like you don't know what to say. Have you seen Midsummer? I have Ari Aster Bro. directed the same guy who did Hereditary. There we go. The same people who produced X produced Hereditary. There we go. So yeah, I think you'll rock with it. But yo, what was your what was your takeaway after seeing Midsummer? Like.
1: That was, that was an insane movie. I mean, those films are interesting, but that, that was, it was originality. It was something Mm i would never seen before. And I think that's what horror needs. Here's the thing. I'm a big slasher guy. So I want to see a new slasher. I'm sick of the hundred Michael Myers films that we're getting now. Nothing will ever beat the first two in my, my opinion, the 1978 one, the 1981 with the second one. I don't like what they're doing with the new ones. I think they're terrible. They're, they're terribly written because you know why the guys that are writing them, I think it's Danny McBride and David Gore- Gordon Green that are mm. working on the new ones. They add too much comedy elements to them and they're not rooted in horror where John Carpenter was a horror mastermind. Horror comedy worked for like creep show evil dead Two.
0: Yeah, that worked,
1: but the new ones that they're adding in here, it's like, they're not real, real refined on the horror genre. And I feel the only thing that it frustrated me different.
0: about Halloween kills was I really thought evil dies tonight. Right. Oh, but so, the
1: hundred times they had to say that in the dialogue. I mean, come yo, on. Yo, but like,
0: yo, the <laughs> yo, the whole town had them surrounded. Like, yo, hey, you gonna take your foot off the brakes, the, off the gas? Like, what? I got man. Like, uh, once again, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it. I really am interested in seeing how Halloween ends. Ends, but yeah, oh, like sometimes when you Hollywood eyes something that's supposed to be what it is, it, it does. It, it does cheapen it a little bit and make it a little bit more edible for the casual consumer, which works in varying degrees. Right. But yeah, yeah. I'm running out of things to watch. So I just ordered this thing the other day called a, um, is it called the German film? It called? Uh, it's named after a country and it's literally called a blah, blah, blah film. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no. Um, a Berlin film. No, uh, a hold on, hold on. This is going to bother me. This is like, I can't wait. this. That going it, man. It's just a weird Eastern Bloc country where bad things happen to people. Anyway, it's named after this place. It's like, yo, it's a Berlin film or it's a German film, a jo- it's Stockholm film. Anyway, this movie is supposed to be one of the most disturbing horror films ever made. And they had to make like three versions of it just so they could sell it. I'm gonna watch it like this weekend, and as and soon as I think of what it's called, I'm gonna I'm gonna text you, send you a DM, or something because I can't wait to see what your take is on this because you you sound like you really rock with horror, and yeah, we're dying breed. You yeah, we are
1: we we are dying breed. But I, have you gone to like horror? Con- I've gone to some horror conventions, man, and I get embarrassed because I look at myself. and I really like these people? I mean, I'm seeing people hold saw the, the saw dolls in their hands, and they're like. I'm only 22. These guys are like 30s and 40s. I'm like, please don't let that be me in 20 years. Please don't. Let- it's just, it's crazy.
0: Sometimes when you go to some of these conventions, these people's eyes are a little different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will say that. Uh, but you know, I, you know, I think we use it for entertainment as an escapism uh, to get out of them, uh, to get out, you know, get out of just the rigmarole. Um, but uh, you know, but some people don't know how to detach, you know, some people feel like they're really in it, they really live in it. And I'm still actively trying to find the name of this film. And I bet you <laughs> when people are watching this, they're yelling at the screen, it's called the blah 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 film. Ah, uh, I hate to be that guy, but like uh, it's still in the plastic, it just came in the mail like a week ago, and I'm trying to carve out time to watch it. But yeah, there are options out
1: there. Yeah, we need a new Vincent Price, you know. they're That's someone that's just the icon of the horror genre. Where is that Vincent Price character today? Where is that Vincent Price for the horror genre
0: now? You know, I I think you know, when you look at it, I think it's like you got to look at it differently. We don't have Vincent Price, but we got Tom Savini.
1: Mm, the Makeup effects artist. One
0: of those guys who like is responsible for like the makeup and like even some of the writing of some really great horror films. Uh, I mean, Wes Craven, the worst thing that sometimes can happen is that you are successful and they keep using your name to make more things and go into the well. Like maybe you don't have 10 nightmare on Elm streets in you. Maybe you just had two in you or three in you. And the crazy thing, when you look at some of these old movies with adult eyes, you'd be like, yeah, damn, two was savagely different than the first one. And damn, did the person to make four even watch three in one? Like, you know, it, it doesn't
1: add up. It doesn't go a- according to the plot line.
0: Yeah, you know, especially when you yeah. you're watching things. It's one thing to see things when they first come out as a kid, then when you watch it with more like film critic eyes. It it's it, sometimes it's tough to even in the hip hop space. Cause you couldn't tell me that Tougher Than Leather was not an Oscar Award worthy film. You couldn't tell me that. <laughs> no. When I'm seven. I watched it like one day when I was like in my twenties, and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know but i still defend it i still die on that hill because like i rock with run dmc the long way like i even got i even got run dmc action figures like wow. i'm a geek about mine you know what i'm saying like i don't play like i'm a geek about mine so uh, like yeah you couldn't tell me i got oh, my pop this-
1: funko biggie and tupac's in the
0: background here oh yo i got down with that too like yeah. you know <laughs> The culture is for sale, more so than ever before. And I think it's a great time to be alive, man. And shout out to people like you for keeping the torch lit. For real, man, man.
1: I appreciate that. And just think about it. And you could even do this, too, because you can rap and you're a terrific MC. Continue on the, the Gravediggers and Dr. Octagon's legacy, who was Cool Keith? And you've had the opportunity to interview him, said, gee, you could continue you know, that I, legacy. Actually, on.
0: I have like three, maybe four records in a can with Cool Keith. Wow! I'm Congratulations on that. Out, I, I need Thank to hear you. these. Are these going to release? Yeah, they will. They will. They will. Um, one of these records almost made Microdose, and maybe there'll be a Microdose Extended Edition. I don't know, but these these Cool Keith records are special, and I didn't just I didn't want to just square peg round hole these things on just anything. And like when I tell you, Cool Keefe is one of the most effortless. Like he just to watch him work is magic. It's magical what Cool Keith does, even in 2022.
1: He has 10 alter egos. I mean, Ultramatic MCs. He starts out with, then he goes Black Elvis, Doctor Doom.
0: But just to like be able to sit in a car and talk to Keith Thornton, I believe that's his last name. Mm-hmm. To, just to talk to him, it's just very intriguing because he's a very calculated thinker. Underrated very, too. Very brilliant. Very underrated. And one of the most fearless rappers on the planet, like he will freestyle right now, just because you called and asked him to, because he loves rap that much. And you'll find very few people who have been doing it as long as Cool Keith and still love rap the way Cool Keith does. Very short few, Greg Nice, Cool Keef, um, Herc obviously, and I mean, there's a few others, but very few show up every time. Man. And like, yeah, he's one of those guys, man.
1: We need that head crack, core core record
0: uh you know what you see don't don't challenge me with a good time it might have to happen man yo mad max i appreciate you my g like i said we got a link in in the future man yo, you're definitely an ally and i support anything you do my brother
1: thanks man i appreciate it when you drop that ep mm-hmm it, we'll love to have you back on like i said chop it up about it
0: well let's get it now, i'm gonna make
1: sure i get you those records as well i appreciate that i'll get them in the rotation keep Keep going with hip hop, keeping it alive here. We need more MCs out here like you and, you know, and respect you for being a horror fan. I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) Yo, salute to you, my brother. God bless, man.
1: God bless, man. Enjoy the rest of your night and stay safe.
0: You do the same, man.
1: Peace.